This is Geeks and Jacks. Hello and welcome back to Geeks and Jacks. This is episode 133, recording December 15th, 2022. This is Ryan Salt. Glad to have you here. Uh, recording this a day later. Uh, pretty obvious. Uh, but pretty busy holiday season uh, yesterday. A little bit of shopping here and there. <laughs> uh, before getting into this episode, this podcast is on anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. So, talk about some big sports stuff, especially in basketball and baseball. Talk about Avatar and a couple other things for the movies, and talk like one or two other things, including uh, some some shootings that occurred long ago, and one of them being blamed on video games 25 years ago. So, without further ado, let's jump into the movies because it was kind of a slow week, and not a lot of people went to see films. And in fact, number one movie, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. So this is so this was its fifth weekend in theaters. Made 11 million. As it stands right now, I believe the numbers are at 771 uh, worldwide. So it beat out, uh, I believe, the newest Thor movie this year. Four hundred eleven million uh, domestically, three fifty nine mil uh, internationally. So I would think this would go down as a hit for uh, for uh, for Disney. Number two, Violent Night, making just over eight point seven million over the weekend, and as it stands now. Nearing 30 million should have a decent weekend again tomorrow and the next few days. 44 million uh, worldwide, so probably be one of the few things you know for the holiday season that some people might enjoy and adult uh, Christmas film too. I might add. Um, there was something I read recently about all these movies that both Hallmark and Lifetime are making. I believe it was 41 uh, movies from Hallmark and 26 from Lifetime. Just for this holiday season. You, I mean, if, I mean <laughs> how do you explain it? Because the formula is so simple. Create a romantic story. Create some things happening. Maybe uh, maybe something goes adrift and they get together and get married. Or if you're a lifetime, crime show. Make it a crime. Try to prove their innocence. Kill the person in revenge. Or get back at them and put them in jail. You know? And actually, think of with uh, movies... I know they put back in theaters. Um, what's the name of the 
put back in theaters, The Polar Express. So I'm not sure some people will know about that, but probably like a very limited release. Uh, number three, uh, Strange World, making over $3.7 million and making itself at over $30 million, $54 million uh, worldwide. Not going to do anything to save itself. Uh, number four, uh, the menu, two point seven million. So one of those small indie films that has a pretty equal amount domestic and internationally, nearing sixty million altogether. So number five, Devotion, that Korean war film, making two million over the weekend last week and. 18 million. So this is going to go down, as I said, I think last week. Complete failure. Number six, Black Adam. Uh, Making, what was that number again? Making just 1.3 million. I mean, it's still continuing to go in some theaters. I mean,. How else do you explain it? Uh, nearing 390 million. I'd like to see how many. Still in 2,000 theaters. I mean, that's where it stands as of December 13th. So, yeah. Uh, number seven, The Fableman's at 1.1 million. Not a huge drop, but can't imagine this is what Spielberg wanted to see. Nearing 8 million. How many theaters was this film in? They just added more into theaters, so that's not a huge huge decline or anything of that matter. Uh, number 8, Met Opera, The Hours. Is that like a just going to look at that for a second. Like a live event. Doesn't say, but... Probably like a live event thing. Making... 790,000. Number 9, I Heard the Bells at 750,000. So... Making at now over 4.4 million... About 99% of it domestically. (laughs) And number 10, spoiler alert. The story of Michael Osiello and Kit Cowan's relationship. Cowan is diagnosed. So it's supposed to be like like a comedy drama. Maybe some romance or something. So it's been out for almost two weeks. Six theaters open up a bit more um, last week. So probably be one of those movies that opens up a little bit more as time goes on, if I had to assume. 
679,000 uh, over the weekend. So these numbers are going to be small altogether. And as we look at the weekend, you got four limited releases tomorrow. Let me let's look at them. Little Nicholas looks like a yeah French movie. Probably probably won't make a dent into anything. Uh, Saving Grace. Looks like a thriller type movie. Yep, horror thriller. Let's see what the next one is. Lullaby, that sounds like a horror movie. Yep. Ancient Demon Lilith. Yep, horror. From the director of Annabelle. And the Almond and the Seahorse. Weapons when you're ambushed by time. Looks like a drama. Yep, drama. Maybe like an adventure drama. I'm actually pretty curious about that. Because uh, it looks like some people that look pretty familiar, but the almond and the seahorse. Looks like it's reviewing okay. Wait, is that a thinner... I think that's a thinner... That's a thinner Rebel Wilson. Interesting for her to do a drama. That is interesting. Um, but yeah, these four are limited, and obviously the big movie is Avatar, The Way of Water. So this is a movie that... I read the info needs to make $2 billion to break even. And there's some stuff that I've seen on some websites. Not official stuff, but the idea of James Cameron, who wrote and directed the first one and this one, potentially ending it after like a specific number of films because he has this uh, vision of Avatar completely through... I think like five or six movies. Well, it seems like, from all indication, this should do two. Uh, I mean, it, this should make two billion. Now, whether it makes a profit or not, I'm not sure. But Disney is betting on the movie doing extremely well, and I'd imagine this is going to do extremely well due to it's been. 13 years since the first one came out and Cameron hasn't really done movies of his own in a long time I think it's like Avatar, Avatar, Way of Water and Titanic over the last 25 years he really hasn't I mean he's done other projects he's helped produce stuff he's helped do other projects you know a few years ago he produced uh, that latest Terminator movie that brought back uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton. 
to reprise their roles as the T-800 and uh, Sarah Connor. Not sure if he was involved in that Sarah Connor Chronicles that was on Fox well over a decade ago. So as we get into the next week, uh, Wednesday release of Puss in Boots, The Last Wish on the 21st. That's going to be a wide release, and obviously they're going to try and take advantage of the Christmas holiday. I'd imagine this would be a good alternative to, to, to all these movies coming out, and not to mention there aren't many kids' films out. And that leads us into next week with the Babylon movie with you know Brad Pitt and uh, Margot Robbie. Seems like it's supposed to be whoo, three hours comedy drama history. R-rated movie, th- three hours eight minutes. I'm not sure. I kind of had some interest in it, but three hours. I mean, I mean, I've I mean I've stayed in a movie theater for over three hours for that Irishman film a few years back, but I don't know. Uh, and there's some other limited releases. Um, the only other wide release next week outside of Puss in Boots and Babylon is the I Want to Dance with Somebody, that Whitney Houston movie. I don't think this movie will do well. I, I mean, she was popular in the late 80s and early 90s. Maybe mid-90s to be exact. But I, I don't think... She, gen- I don't think she'll generate enough to to have that type of success. I mean, I can understand maybe like uh, Aretha Franklin, but Whitney Houston, she, she to me is, if it was, if she was still alive and she was like healthy and wasn't dosed up on pills or anything of that matter, maybe, maybe she do. Maybe the movie would do okay, but I don't. I can't imagine it. But then again, I mean, there's a good group of people that I mean, that would go see it. Kind of like the same way there was an older generation of people that went to go see the uh, Elvis movie. I mean, I mean, probably was groundbreaking at points in our life. And there's about a handful of limited releases I'll talk about next week. But yeah, sounds like Avatar is going to dominate the movie theaters for at least two to four weeks. How many people will go see it? I don't know. It's going to be a lengthy movie like Babylon. How will snowstorms affect it? How will Christmas affect it? New Year's? I mean, the fact that New Year's and Christmas are both on Sundays, I mean, that could impact the movie theaters greatly. And it could hurt uh, Disney a little bit in terms of who goes to see stuff. Just Just food for thought. So, moving on, let's get to sports, because... There's some there's some deals going on. Noah Syndergaard, he's going to the L.A. Dodgers for one year, thirteen million, according to ESPN. I believe Jeff Passan mentioned something there too. 
He was with the Angels last year and then went to Philadelphia. His career has just been strange. Uh, Xander Bogarts. I'm kind of stunned he didn't go to Boston or stay with Boston. The 11 years and so much money with uh, the Padres. Carlos Correa, 13 years with the San Francisco Giants, $350 million. I have no doubt that Bogarts will do well for San Diego, and he could be one of the reasons they could be a playoff team for a good while. Correa, on the other hand, I don't know. He's a good player. But the problem, in my opinion, is that you know San Francisco is a wildly inconsistent team. They have these spans in recent years where they they do well, they have enough to maybe advance one round or two or win the World Series, and then the following year or two they struggle. I mean, there's such thing as uh, championship hangovers. You see that with the Super Bowl. World Series hangovers can happen too. And there really hasn't been a repeat. There hasn't been a repeat champion since 2000. With the Yankees being three-peat. Anyone find that weird? Anyone? (laughs) Uh, But... Definitely some interesting deals to be seen, and yeah. One of the uh, biggest stories is basketball, and the fact that Brittany Griner is now free in exchange for an arms dealer. So, for those wondering, this was back at the start of the year, uh, Griner in Russia... She has some hash on her, or some oil, hash oil or something. She gets busted. And this is just as the war between Ukraine and them started. And found guilty, spent nine years, well, was going to spend nine years in prison. Uh, you had many, you had a number of NBA players pleading for her, to pleading for her. President Joe Biden to bring her back, get her back somehow. Um, some of the WNBA and all this other stuff, and yeah, now she's free. I'm not sure it's worth it because there are other people there too that have been detained for for longer than her, and I think this is going to go down as one of the biggest screw ups in Biden's presidential term. I mean, just as bad as him pulling out the troops in Afghanistan, which that one is not bad, but leaving behind all the equipment and stuff for for your enemies to use it against you. I mean, that's just he he keeps digging himself a bigger hole, Biden. And there's there's been split split opinions on it, and leaning more towards the negative aspect because all this for a basketball player and it 
it doesn't make for a good situation. I mean, I mean, national security could be the biggest concern because that that arms dealer, even if even if he got busted, he could go back and do many nefarious things. It could happen, and. I, I got this feeling of worry that something bad is going to happen. All this for a basketball player who was really stupid. And this goes into something that I saw as well, like the whole thing about pay gaps and all this crap for the between the WNBA and the NBA. Here's the thing about the NBA they're able to sustain success and profitability due to merchandising due to the superstars that they have whether you like the person or not on specific team or other team they drive in crowds the NBA has been huge since at least the 70s that's not to say other players from before then were not recognized, but because they were. But I would say when you had guys such as Pistol Pete, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and some of these other guys, Bill Walton, they helped make the sport bigger. And they expanded more and more when you had CBS airing games, NBC, the rise of guys such as Hakeem Olajuwon, Michael Jordan, uh... Malone and Stockton, Ewing, and all these other big name people, Barkley, you know, early nineties, Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, Kobe Bryant, and many others. They're people you root for, you root against, you pay big money to see these guys deliver in the clutch. You buy their jerseys, you you see them sponsoring cereal, sponsoring a specific product or like a meal. WNBA has none of that. They don't really sponsor. I mean, outside of like going to like a sporting goods store, that you don't really see much sponsorship of 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 WNBA players. Are why not open up and expand the merchandising and try to get people to recognize the WNBA in hopes of getting people to go to the games and maybe get people to buy the merchandise to support their favorite players. And maybe, unless there's like they're stuck with the, the NBA or something, get away from ESPN and maybe try and get... Onto I don't know NBC or Fox. I mean Fox Sports One. I mean Fox has been doing pretty well with their sports recently, as far as uh, NFL rating, MLB tiny bit. And speaking of NBA as well, um, season's going decent for a number of teams. Some not as much. Golden State Warriors struggling. They're, I believe, at 500 for the year. I'm just going to take a brief look. No, 14 and 15 now, losing to Indiana. 125 to 119. 
Indiana had a 47-point second quarter uh, last night. But one of the bigger um, stories outside of some injuries to guys like a Stephen Curry. Whew, man, they're going to lose him for a while. Shoulder injury. But one of the uh, bigger things is Draymond Green. Draymond Green is your loudmouth, big, big-headed, physical type of basketball player. He's the type of guy that he's not big to the style of a Barkley, a Ewing, a Lajuan, Shaq, you know, what have you. But he is someone that will use his physicality quite a bit. And this has gotten him in trouble a number of times, which has led to ejections, technical fouls, suspension. And obviously there is a lot of hate stemmed towards the Golden State Warriors due to the amount of success that they've had over the last eight years, really the last decade, but in all honesty, once Steve Kerr took over as the head coach of the Warriors. This is something that I'm not sure what side of the story you'll get, whether there's a truth to it or not, but a few days back, uh, Green getting a fan thrown out of a game because I guess the fan was threatening his life. So, no excuse, no real consequences for bad. Yeah, Milwaukee Bucks fan, yeah, from the game they lost in. I guess according to... uh, the fan via TMZ, taken with a grain of salt, didn't threaten his life. That's why I'm a little hesitant on it, because obviously there's a lot of hate stemmed towards the Warriors because of how big they've been and the amount of championships they've won for in the last eight years. However, with that said... I mean, how do you put it into words with this? There might be a half-truth to the green thing, because the fans fans are that up close and personal at an NBA game versus an NFL game, MLB, NHL. Even though the NHL, you're very, very close it's not as close as the NBA, or even college basketball for that matter. A college basketball or pro basketball fan could easily get onto the court and do something nefarious. Although, I mean, security is going to be going after you, but still. And again, fans await for players to come out of locker rooms, out of stadiums, at the end of games. Who knows what can happen when fans are that close. 
you know, you never know if this if they will do anything bad to the player in question, whether it's hurting them, insulting them, or worse, killing them. I think that's what, and not to mention there's some stuff with uh, the NBA Finals back in June with Green talking about the uh, Boston fans. I think it's just a case of Boston fans being pieces of crap all around in their uh, respective sports. Bring Keep bringing it up, the whole Red Sox thing, like where some of the fans are even booing and insulting their own players. The, the, the players of their own team that they love. Keep bringing it up. Kevin Euclid talking about you know the fans being getting getting angry at the fans of his own of the team that he's on. You know it's just I don't know. It's just it, it, it makes for just a bad situation for for the NBA. I mean. What else can they do outside of banning them? I mean, there's not much that can be said. I mean, sure, threaten a player, maybe maybe like a fine or something, but if they keep doing it, I mean, got to do something. It's, just, it's, it's one of those murky situations, in my opinion. So, yeah. Very briefly, look at uh, NFL scores because it was interesting. The Thursday night game last week, Rams edged out the Raiders 17-16. to Baker Mayfield leading a 98-yard drive, and he had a decent game to boot, too, 230 and a score. Cam Akers found the end zone himself uh, on 40 yards. Josh Jacobs ran for a score, but Derek Carr, bad game. Less than 150, two interceptions. Raiders dropped to 5-8 and eight for the year. Rams now 4-9 and nine for the year. Detroit with the upset, 6-7 and seven now for the year. 34-23 victory over a now 10-3 Viking team with a passing game that was phenomenal for Minnesota. 400-plus and two scores for Kirk Cousins, but the run game abysmal despite a touchdown for Dalvin Cook. Jared Goff leading the way, and the run game was kind of bad for the first time in a while, but that's okay. Goff was able to hold his own, and some pretty good, pretty good stats for some of his uh, receivers. Imagine if this team was say, I don't know, eight and seven, well eight and six versus, hold on, it's like eight and five now instead of where they are now. Baltimore eases themselves into a quiet victory over uh, Pittsburgh, nine and four now with a sixteen to fourteen victory. Pittsburgh five and eight for the year. Kenny Pickett out early on because of a concussion. Mitch Trubisky bad game altogether, three interceptions. The run game pretty abysmal. Baltimore Tyler Huntley didn't do much, but the running J.K. Dobbins back and with some authority along with Gus Edwards. Pretty good effort by the defense as well. Bengals edge out Cleveland 23-10. Bengals keeping their hopes alive for the divisional crown in the in the north. 9-4 now for the year. Browns 5-8. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Okay game, 276, a score and a pick. 
the run game kind of collapsing a bit with Nick Chubb with at 34 yards. But doing some pretty good stuff uh, passing. Joe Burrow, kind of a eh, game, 239, but two scores and a pick. Joe Mixon back, ran for 90-plus yards. Jamar Chase getting back to his old self. And that's without, I believe, T. Higgins. So, crazy. Buffalo edging out the Jets, 20-12. to Mike White had himself a pretty good game, but with some rib issues, I believe. He wants to play through it, and the Jets are not willing to go back to Zach Wilson. 7-6 and six now for the year, while the Bills go to 10-3. and three. And they got a two-game two lead in the East right now, which I'll talk about that game of Miami in a sec. Well, when, when we get to it. Looks like they did okay. They're just running the ball and throwing the Jets. Josh Allen, kind of a nick game, and the run game wasn't there either. See how the defense did then. Good effort to to sack uh, White and to create turnovers with the fumbles. Dallas edges out uh, Houston for a 27-23 victory. Davis Mills, a bad game. Driscoll came in at points. Damian Pierce ran for a score. Dak Prescott for Dallas did not look all that great. Uh, 284 and a score, but two picks. Elliott and Pollard with touchdowns rushing. And getting some good help here all together with their uh, with their receiving. 10-3 now Dallas and 1-11-1 uh, Texans. Philadelphia beating New York 48-22. Bismal game and well, kind of a neat game for uh, Jalen Hurts. The run game really putting its effort in. While, eh, get blown out a little bit. And see if there's any fumbles. For, because that's always one of the bigger problems. Yeah, only one turnover in the game. Like one fumble for uh, Jones and company. And Tyrod Taylor leading the way in <laughs> in uh, uh, rushing. So, 7-5-1 and New York, 12-1 and Philadelphia. I think the number one seeds are going to implode in the playoffs on both both the AFC and NFC. I think there's other scarier teams. Jacksonville, two games behind now. 36-22 versus Tennessee. Tennessee seven and six, Jacksonville five and eight. Trevor Lawrence with a big game, three hundred plus yards and three scores. He is getting to show why he was drafted number one. Quiet game for uh, Travis Etienne. The big guy for the team was Evan Ingram, throwing, catching eleven passes for one sixty-two and two scores. Derrick Henry back in the form for Tennessee, though, running for 120 and a score. Tannehill, 250, two scores and a pick. So it's not like they were doing bad, but Jacksonville got the better part of them. 
Denver continuing to lose. 3-10. and Lots of issues with, I think, uh, Russell Wilson went down with an injury, which is which is bad in itself, so it makes that deal look even worse. 10-3 Chiefs, 34-28. Broncos, 3-10. Mahomes, 352-3 scores, but three interceptions thrown. Only so much the Denver defense can do. The Pacheco guy, Randeason, and Jarek McKinnon leading the way and receiving. Holy moly. And I believe Travis Kelsey made his way to 10,000 yards receiving in this game. So that says something. Uh, Wilson uh, had a decent game himself. Three scores, 240-something, I believe. And a pick, though, but... Brett Rippon didn't do too much, and Wilson actually led the way in rushing. Jerry Judy had himself a really good game, three touchdowns. And even Marlon Mack had some good action, uh, receiving a little bit and uh, doing pretty well. Um, If you want upset of the year, Carolina. They're actually not too far behind in the... uh, NFC South, five and eight now for the year, beating a now seven and six Seahawk team, thirty to twenty-four. Sam Darnold, quiet game, one twenty and a score. The run game held its own. Foreman and Hubbard with seventy-four yards each. Hubbard with a score. Blackshear with a touchdown as well on thirty yards rushing. Seattle has no run game. You hope for Kenneth Walker to be back tonight, but, man, 264, three scores, two picks for Geno Smith. Touchdowns for Marquise Goodwin, D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Their season might be in jeopardy. Especially as that comes down to seeing the 49ers dismantle Tampa Bay, Brock Purdy and company having fun. Tom Brady threw for 253. One touchdown, two picks. Run game continuing to struggle. I mean, they're spreading the ball around, but they're not doing enough. 35-7. now Tampa. Atlanta and Carolina are both a game behind. Niners are 9-4 now for the year. Big running by Christian McCaffrey, running for 119 in the score and getting a receiving touchdown as well in the air. Purdy, 185, two scores. Going to lead the way, I think. Though, how much pressure will be on this kid when uh, playoff season comes? Your Sunday night game was L.A. Chargers against the Dolphins. Miami dropping to 8-5 and five now for the year, while the Chargers get to 7-6. and six. Both teams needing to do better to get back into form and hopefully acquire a wild card spot. Dolphins seem like they have the likelier chance to get in versus the Chargers. Two attack of Viola... 145, one touchdown. At one point, he was 3 for 17 for 25. The run game abysmal. Tyreek Hill had a big game for the Chargers. The run game kind of 
kind of sputtering a little bit, though a rushing touchdown from Austin Eckler. Justin Herbert threw for 360 and a score. Mike Williams had a big game. Keenan Allen had a big game. Eckler still getting some passes. It's hard to gauge whether um, whether or not the Chargers can be consistent. And Monday night, Patriots go to seven and six with a twenty-seven to thirteen victory over the four and nine Cardinals. This team lost Kyler Murray for the rest of the year due to an ACL injury. But Colt McCoy, okay game, two forty-six and a pick. James Conner found the end zone, ran pretty well. DeAndre Hopkins had a big good game. But on the other side, Mac Jones, quiet game, one pick. Pierre Strong with a touchdown, and this Harris guy with a score. Hunter Henry leading the way in uh, receiving. So, yeah. Heating up in the NFC. AFC might have its playoff picture before, before the season even ends. So, the last that I'll talk about is uh, gaming. And... It's been 28 years since the creation of the Entertainment Software Rating Board, or ESRB for short. So this came about because as games that turned 30 this year, such as Mortal Kombat, Night Trap, the former, obviously you could see why the rating system needed to be made. Night Trap, not so much with misconceptions from the government on that game and just being stupid in general. But on the bright side, we have a rating system, you know, similar to why we have a moving rating system. And the ESRB had been around for about three years around the time of the shooting that occurred at Heath High School in Paducah, Kentucky with a 14-year-old killing killing a few people, injuring five. Uh, his name is Michael Carneal. And this was a shooting that you wondered what happened and it was a kid who had himself his share of mental issues according to these articles and just recently the guy was voted to serve out the rest of his life sentence so the idea of him being on parole is is out of the question and I think it's for good reason because there's stuff I've read um, about him being like a schizophrenic threatening to hurt himself I believe and many other many other things and you know it altered altered the lives of a couple handful of students now why am I talking about this and bringing up the ESRB in video gaming. Well, because this was the start of seeing 
lawsuits or attempts to get games banned or go after uh, game companies for what they deem was very violent and all that. I believe Sega got sued, Sony got sued, Squaresoft, New Line Cinema of all things because of a movie they did a few years prior called The Basketball Diaries, which was a very young Leonardo DiCaprio film. I think the lawsuit was for $33 million, and this was headed by a lawyer out of Florida by the name of Jack Thompson. And this is a guy that would kind of chase after some of these big shootings that occurred, um, which would happen a little over a year later with with Columbine in Colorado, um, some small shootings with blaming on, like, Grand Theft Auto in the mid-2000s, Virginia Tech uh, in 2007 trying to blame it on Counter-Strike before being disbarred in 08. You know, never really trying to look at the other sides of things and just trying to chase, like, the hottest stuff, such, you know, video games were the hot thing and he wanted to chase after that money without even looking at the mental capabilities of a uh, of what these people were. The funny thing was, I just, I listened to a video recently on one of these, like, Reddit type stuff, and someone talked about the VTech shooter and some of his mental capabilities with, in a class, kind of disagreements between the sh- the killer and the and this teacher teacher kind of feeling like he re- like he didn't know about the mental health issues um, in the case of the Carneal guy uh, seemed like he had a lot of issues before shooting and killing those those few students and injuring a handful more I think I feel like it was like over over a girl if I'm not mistaken um, but. Nevertheless, uh, he's he's 39 now, and honestly, I, I can't imagine him being anywhere else other than in prison. So I, I probably better to see that he's still in prison because who knows what he could be up to, and his, with his mental issues, I don't think we need to see another incident happened from this guy. And obviously one of the bigger ones from 10 years ago is uh, is what happened at Sandy Hook in Connecticut with a gunman killing 20 people. About, I think 14 of those were uh, students. And uh, very sad to see that happen. I mean, these were five, six-year-olds. You know, as most of the victims, just how do you how do you explain that? And I think there were some people a little bit that were that wanted to blame uh, video games for it. I think there was like even 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 Donald Trump was thinking like games could be to blame way back then, but 
And I'm sure there were other people too. I mean, it got to the point in the late 2000s, early 2010s, where even like TV personalities such as Dr. Phil were trying to say that games were harming harming people. Now, I'll say this. If you're gaming 24-7, yeah, it, 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 it'll hurt you because you're not doing stuff for yourself, you're not doing anything for the greater good of your family, of your friends, you know, anybody. Now, nothing wrong with playing games. I play games quite a bit. But there has to be a healthy amount. And I hope that the day that I have a family of my own put in some limits on when to play, when not to play, reward them for good behavior, you know, and take away stuff if they're behaving badly. I think I think that's the way to go. Although in the case of the Sandy Hook thing, it was like an like an adult that went after the uh that went out and shoot shoot that kindergarten area, unfortunately. I think he had a lot of mental health issues too. I believe he killed his own mother. Anyway, uh, yeah, just I just wish people would stop using games as a scapegoat. And I think it's kind of died off over the last ten years on blaming it on the games. There really aren't much other gaming stuff to talk about. I mean, here's some delays for the Hogwarts game that's coming out. If it hasn't come out already. Delayed on the Switch until the summer. I think it's also getting delayed on the Xbox One. Yeah, there's like the Game Awards stuff. I can't believe people take that award stuff pretty seriously. Like, just the way some people act, it's just... It's disheartening because it's just an award. I mean, there is a way to speak healthfully about I disagree, this should have won... You know, kind of like the same way with uh, movies. You know, hey, this movie should have won an Academy Award over this because this was this was better in some aspects. Blah blah blah, yada yada yada. You know, and honestly, um, it, it's it's just awards. It, it's not like it impacts. I mean, sure, it might for people to buy the game more or whatever, but. Does it really impact as much? I don't think so. Uh, yeah. So, don't have a lot much else to say, but just to end the episode here. Uh, as I said before, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find it on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So, head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. So with that, episode 133, this is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself. Take care, everyone.